point, what's going to make me feel good about myself? What is it exactly that I want to do? What are the behaviours that I would have to change in order to get there? And if that feels too much, then it probably is too much. You know, mm. and strip it back and just take small baby steps every day. And, you know, taking things back and taking things slower doesn't give you instant gratification. But if you stick with it and you're consistent, you will suddenly, it will suddenly become your way of life. And that's when you'll get the gratification from it. Welcome back to Zevo Talks. I'm your host, Michelle. Today we are joined by Kelly Walsh Connor, a business owner, personal trainer, life coach, accountability and performance coach. Kelly has been a personal trainer for over 15 years and is a strong advocate for promoting a healthy lifestyle and extremely passionate about mental health. Thank you very much for joining us today, Kelly. You're very welcome. Great to see you. Can we just start off by telling us a bit about yourself? Um, so you did a lovely introduction there. <laughs> so thank you for that, Michelle. Um, so uh, my name is Kelly and um, I've been a personal trainer for the past 15 years. Um, I'm a mother of two um, two children. So Jackson, who's four, and Cole, who's just one and a half, a lo- lockdown baby. Um, and I have basically been passionate about health and fitness for my entire life. So it started actually at a really young age. Um, my dad was a professional boxer and he was a marathon runner. And so for me, watching him when I was growing up, I was always so fascinated that the fact that he could skip. So he used to like, when he stopped boxing, he would do go for runs on a Sunday morning. And I used to run downstairs because I could hear the skipping rope and watch him skip. And I just thought that this was the most amazing thing. And um, so I think my love of exercise kind of came from him. Um, you know, as I got a little bit older, I started to go out um, when he'd go on a run and I would cycle when I was old enough to do that. That's kind of where my love of exercise came from. And, you know, I was always really proud that my dad could run marathons and that he was a boxer and all of that type of stuff. So um, later on then into my teenage years, um, I never really was into sport or anything like that because I'm not a very competitive person. And I was actually really shy when I was a kid. So I never joined any teams or anything. But later on into my teenage years was obviously in the 80s. And my dad was mad into going to aerobics classes. So, so me and him used to go to aerobics class together. Absolutely hilarious because it was like when Mr. Motivator was out. And I was like, my dad would be only short and wearing all this aluminum stuff. And I'd be like, oh my God, it's so embarrassing, we can't go. So we used to do that together. And um, it was like, I guess back in, in those days, it was such an odd thing for a father and daughter to do, but I absolutely loved it. Um, so yeah, my, my definite love for exercise came from him. And it was only probably later on in my life that I realized how exercise actually affected me with uh, my mental health um so unfortunately my dad passed away 15 years ago and um he had motor neurons disease and um it was probably uh you know in into my 20s I kind of stopped my love of exercise when I found the pubs and nightclubs and things like that and I kind of tapered off a little bit and after his passing I actually got really back into exercise and I found it like an amazing way to deal with my grief um and so I was actually living in Australia at the time and obviously exercise over there is huge um I think it's probably because most of the time people are in bikinis but anyway <laughs> with the nice weather but um yeah exercise was just became another big part of my life and it was just really how I managed my grief so at that time I was actually working in IT and I was the worst IT person in the world <laughs> 
because I was one of those people that you ran. You just like, have you tried to reboot it? Um, but um, it wasn't my passion like at all, and it was just something that everybody was doing when they left school. So I decided to do it as well. So I remember after my dad died, and I got so you know into exercise again I just kind of thought to myself do you know what I feel like I want other people to use exercise as a way to deal with not just grief but any type of like anxiety or whatever because it really made me feel so much better about myself and it was that hour of the day that I didn't have to think about how sad I was and then obviously the effect of the exercise after you've you've done it you know the endorphins that you get or whatever so it really really helped me and I wanted to be able to help other people so I decided to leave my IT job and um, pursue a career in a fitness industry which was like a huge deal at the time because I had just bought my first home and in the boom so you can imagine what that cost and I had gone from this like really high paid job to like a really low paying job <laughs> so but I, I kind of just had this passion and this fire in my belly that I wanted to be able to help people and um, yeah so I started out in the fitness industry yeah 15 years ago so I worked in a really small gym um, at the time and um, it was like a gym that did lots of like aerobics and step aerobics and all the real old school stuff. And I just loved it. Um, I later on then became um, a personal trainer. So I was a fitness instructor first and then I became a personal trainer. And for about two full years, I actually trained people for free because I wanted to build up my credibility as a personal trainer. And I wanted to be able to prove I guess my worth. I probably didn't have to do it for that long. <laughs> I think it's you down the road too. Well, I have this free person training, but for me, it was always about helping people. And um, even though I obviously needed to earn money as well, it was never about that. You know, for me, it was getting results and helping people. And um, my brother actually was my first, my first client, and he had gone through a really difficult time, and he'd gained an, a, a lot of weight. So he kind of came to me and said, "You know, I want to be able to run," and so he was my first client and I used to meet him three times a week and it was great in the beginning you know when somebody sets out on a journey like that they're very highly motivated in the beginning and then they realize oh god this is hard and we used to have murder I used to be knocking on the door come on go to our training session or whatever but um it was great for me and it built up like a really good strong portfolio um of different clients and different experiences because obviously people train for different reasons so I really enjoyed it so then I started my personal training business after that and thankfully it just went from strength to strength and a couple of years ago about seven years ago now um I opened up my own gym and um that was a huge a huge uh achievement obviously um but owning your own business then obviously comes with its own um issues so not issues I guess that's probably the wrong word but it comes with a lot of responsibility and a lot of, a lot of stress um so at the time I was probably somebody who um, kept themselves incredibly busy so as to not deal with any type of thoughts or anxiety so I just kept going and going and going and obviously after the death of my dad and having to come home from Australia and stuff like that did obviously affect me but I was so busy in changing career I just wasn't really focused on how I was really feeling so when I opened the business then um, I had all of this other huge responsibility and um, I found that my mental health was being really affected by it and I um, went through a really 
a period of time in my life that I suffered from panic attacks and I was um, diagnosed with depression and I went through a really, really tough time. Um, again, I was using exercise as a way to kind of manage my anxiety and depression. But unfortunately, at one stage, it got so bad that I couldn't even um, go to work and I had to take a, a bit of time off work. And exercise was probably the furthest thing from my mind at that time. Um, now I did go and get the help that I needed and I had an amazing therapist and he helped me through um, that, that, that tough time. But again, exercise, when I got a little bit better, again, became this huge part of my life that helped me manage my anxiety and deal with my my depression and you know I I I now shout it from the rooftops because I think especially these days people are suffering so yeah. bad with their mental health with all of these lockdowns and everything else and um you know exercise can really really help with that and you know I think social media can be blamed for a lot of things you know when people think of exercise or think of getting fit or they look on social media and think, oh my God, I have to do a triathlon to be fit or I have to do, you know, a weightlifting competition or whatever. And and actually you don't, you know, exercise for, for everybody is so different. Being fit for everybody is so different. And just like a tiny little bit of movement every morning, whether it be a stretch or whatever can actually really benefit you physically and mentally. So, um, yeah, so I'm a huge, obviously, advocate for, <laughs> for exercise, for mental health now more so than ever. And um, I'm always very open and honest and honest with my own battles with it, because I think, you know, it's very easy to look at somebody and think, oh, they have it all together or, mm. you know, um, and especially with social media. Um, so that's why I never shy away from from explaining to people my own my own battle with it. Um, now, last year, during the first lockdown, I had decided that I was going to come off my I was put on antidepressants at that time when I had the breakdown and I stayed on them for six years. So last year during that first lockdown, I decided that I was going to come off them. And um, I always laugh about this because my husband was like, are you sure? No, the, whole world, yeah, <laughs> the whole world is going on antidepressants. You're deciding to come off them. But actually for me, um, you know, I had two things in my life that caused me a lot of worry and anxiety. And one was owning a business. So that was closed. <laughs> so I was like, okay, well, that's closed. There's nothing I can do about that. And then the other was my mom because she's, she has really bad health and I was so worried about her but she was cocooning and I just thought okay well these are the things that I'm telling myself cause me all of this anxiety they are out of my control now so now I can focus on myself a little bit more and try and sort this out so obviously with my doctor's help I we, we I weaned off the antidepressants but again I came back to exercise and that kind of helped me so much during those days that was really scary you know for me and yeah I do, I'm proud to say now we're a year on and I'm completely off my antidepressants and I've never felt better that's and amazing I, well, yes thank <laughs> you not just exercise a lot more went into it than just that but it was definitely a huge factor that helped me along the way so yeah yeah it's absolutely amazing of all times to decide to do it as well. No, I know. <laughs> and I actually took back up running um, uh, after 10 years because, again, being influenced by my dad, being a marathon runner, when he passed away of motor neurons disease, I decided to run the marathon in 2009 and it traumatized me. So I didn't run for 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm not a runner. I'm not really cut out for that. But I, when I was coming off to the antidepressants and obviously been in the lockdown and I just had another baby and I just wanted to be outside, I decided to take up running again. And uh, I had a little like 
goal of being able to run 5k now I still only run 5k and even if I'm parked further away I stop at 5k don't love running that much to be running any more than that (laughs) but it's actually my time to be in nature I listen to a podcast you know and I, and I really enjoy it but yeah and it's more a mental health tool than anything else yeah so I'm not going to be running any marathons anytime soon <laughs> that's amazing um I love that you still stop at 5k oh yeah no matter where I am I stop dead <laughs> <laughs> like that's that done I start walking and um, when you were a child growing up did you find that then that's when you first realized kind of and um, exercise to be such a good state for your mental health or was it when you got a bit older you know what like it, it, when I think back I was a child that suffered with I was extremely shy Um, I suffered with anxiety from a very very young age and um I guess I probably didn't realize the effect that the exercise was having on me until later on you know um until I got into into my adulthood but yeah I grew up a very anxious child and um that carried on over into my adulthood and obviously back then back then which is fair it's like 70 or something but you know <laughs> 20 odd years ago it wasn't spoken about it wasn't spoken yeah. about you know and people yeah. would have described me like people in my family were like oh she's just a warrior you know she's mm. just this but it was actually and a, a disorder that I had that wasn't really dealt with and unfortunately it ended up then in, in having a breakdown but yeah it probably wasn't until later on into my adulthood that I realized oh god when I exercise it makes me feel good you know yeah. um and and that's why I, I I want everyone to feel good you know so that's why <laughs> I love it so much yeah. yeah it's brilliant the way you have that kind of correlation between mental health and physical exercise as opposed to an awful lot of the time when you go on the likes of social media it is very much people are just they, yeah. they view exercise and food as a punishment almost oh yeah a hundred percent and it's something that I'm trying to change you know um for me when I deal with clients um especially when it comes to nutrition I always say to people you know you're either eating to comfort yourself or you're eating to punish yourself you know and we forget that we actually eat to just give us energy <laughs> that's why you eat you know so you, you, it gives you energy it it, it it helps your mood it helps you sleep and um, but we don't ever look at food in that way you know so for me when I look at my food and, and I and I really felt this last year coming off the antidepressants um, was that if I didn't eat properly and if I didn't eat proper nutritious meals it made me feel bad because I wouldn't have the energy to do all the things that I needed to do in a day I mean everybody is so busy we're all busy you know I've had two small kids you know I liked exercise. I was trying to create an online business. So I needed energy to, in order to be able to do all of those things. So if I don't feed myself properly, I get anxious because I'm I'm tired, you know. So I guess, again, I think people, social. I, I shouldn't blame social media so much because I run my business from there. But again, I think there's such like a negative, I guess, um, view on food when you look on social media. And yeah, really definitely. when you think about it, it's we just eat for energy basically yeah. <laughs> it's also enjoyment you know but the, but physically we're eating to give ourselves energy to do things you know yeah. so i'm i i i love um doing lots of research in and around like brain health because unfortunately not only did what did my dad pass away from a motor neurons disease he was actually diagnosed with alzheimer's at 54 so I know. So people associate Alzheimer's as a disease of age, but it's actually just a disease of the brain. And obviously being a boxer probably didn't help all that situation. But um, I got hugely interested in brain health. And I think, again, we never look at food as fueling our brain. 
and our brain actually works really well off glucose the glucose we get from carbohydrates and what's the one thing that people go oh i'm having a he- I'm going on a healthy diet i'm going to cut out all these carbs and i'm like mm, no your brain likes carbs we should eat carbs you know <laughs> so um again for me um you know making sure that i'm fueling my brain to do all of these things that i wanted to do is hugely important um i remember going to a talk by um jerry hussey um, a few years ago, he's a sports psychologist and um, he spoke about brain health and he said, you know, if you were to take your your brain out of your skull and hold it in your hands, you treat it like a new baby, you'd nourish it and you'd mm-hmm. talk nicely to it and you'd hydrate it and you'd exercise it. You'd do all of these amazing things to watch it grow. Um, but yet we don't do those things. Like no, we're dehydrated. Worth it. Yeah. We don't give it the right food. We don't exercise and then expect it to work at this really high level. And we expect it to be then motivating and um, encouraging. And, you know, you expect to not have brain fog and to be able to make all these decisions. But yet we're not fueling it in the right way to do that. Well, very often we're not fueling it in the right way to do that. This must go back to, I know you've spoken previously about your gym was never kind of stereotypical sort of gym where you went in and it was a line of treadmills and a line of bikes. It was always very much more to feel set part of something bigger, like a bit of a community sort of thing. Yes. This must go back to that an awful lot, does it? Oh yeah, 100%. Again, you know, um, for me, as I said, I was a really shy child growing up. <laughs> Everyone laughs when I say that. So, what have you now? <laughs> you know, but, um, so for me, I understand completely how somebody feels when they come first come to a gym. Yeah. Like I feel vulnerable going to a gym and I'm a personal trainer, you know, because it seems like this big, bad, scary place. So for me, when I opened, when we opened the gym, I wanted people to come and feel absolutely safe, you know, that they were not going in there because you're vulnerable when you're first going to somewhere like that, you know, and I used to actually meet people in the car park. Because I'd be like, just get to the car park. If we can get you to the car park, I'll I'll get you through the doors. And then you'll see that it's not this big, scary place. And we would really pride ourselves in, um, you know, knowing everybody that walks through the doors and making everybody feel comfortable and you know that people are a little bit nervous and we try to kind of settle all of that and then after a couple of weeks you get lots of slagging and all of that kind of going on <laughs> in the in the beginning we we are very conscious that people are you know feeling a bit vulnerable so yeah it's amazing that you say that as a personal trainer yeah yeah like I never go to gyms <laughs> Terrible. So I was like oh no I don't want to go in there but yeah like I would feel that way so you know I can and I like that like I know how to exercise so when somebody has never exercised before and they walk in somewhere it can be a really scary place so yeah it was it was a, a big priority of mine to not let people feel like that you know yeah um you're clearly an advocate for physical health and mental health how would you encourage someone to get active if they aren't interested yeah so what what you know, it's hard. It's hard. I think it's hard for somebody to make somebody do something that they don't want to do. Yeah, so anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So when I meet people, I try to kind of, I try to explain what exactly happens in our bodies when we exercise or what exactly happens in our bodies when we, when we eat a little bit better and kind of back it up by all the science and the research. Cause I think that's kind of really interesting concept. Cause I think an awful lot of the time people associate exercise and nutrition with weight loss, you know, and it's such a negative way to view exercise and good nutrition because yeah. You know, it doesn't always have to be, you're not always wanting to exercise because you want to lose weight. I mean, exercise can just make you feel good. So a thing that I I kind of would say to people, think about the things that you enjoy in your life. 
if you were a little bit fitter and a little bit stronger, would you enjoy them a little bit more? So would that be playing with your kids? If you were a little bit fitter, would that be a little bit easier, first of all? <laughs> but would you enjoy it a little bit more? You know, is it doing your garden? Is it, I had a lady come to me that was in her 60s and never exercised before. And she said, we just want to be able to clean my windows. You know, so that's the kind of the yeah. idea that I try to put into people's heads. Think about things that you love to do and think about if if you were a little bit fitter, would 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 you enjoy them that little bit more? And actually you probably would, you know, and um even if even if it's shopping, you carry more shopping bags, <laughs> you know, so you can walk around town a little bit more, you know, whatever it may be. But life can be that little bit easier when you're a little bit fitter. So it's trying to change the mindset of viewing exercise as just a tool for weight management and viewing it as a way to actually live life a little bit easier. So that's kind of what I would say to people when they're not motivated, but also to maybe then encourage a friend or a family member to get involved. Like buddy systems work really well because you might let yourself down, but you won't let someone else down. Yeah. So that, that can be really good. And then maybe to find a personal trainer and be, you know, have somebody that's there that you're going to be accountable to. You know, that you have to kind of meet every week. And eventually then when you start to feel the physical benefits of exercise, it will motivate you to do it more. You know, when you start to actually feel that little bit better, when you have a bit of a pep in your step, I feel, then it, you'll be, you, you know, you'll be more motivated to do it. Yeah, I suppose like anything as well, once you find that kind of, is it a personal trainer or a friend or anything, like finding a good yeah. hairdresser, once you click with yes. the person. Yeah, stick with the person. person. And then find something that you enjoy. You know, don't, yeah. you know, now I'm always really uh, cautious of saying that because you're not always going to enjoy exercise, <laughs> you know, because in the beginning it's hard and you're, you're out of breath and it's probably not, you've never experienced that before and you're sore, but eventually if you can focus on how you feel afterwards, like no one ever regrets, regrets an exercise session. Like no one ever goes, oh, I'm raging. I did that. I feel worse <laughs> you know you're always going to feel better so if you can just remember that bit of it um but definitely not do with something that you absolutely hate to do <laughs> you know like me in the running we can only yeah. go to the 5k <laughs> that is it not more and not, not anymore <laughs> <laughs> do you think after um having your own struggles and after struggling for so long um now with being around people well not at the moment but previously being around people every day where they might come to try get those endorphins up and try and make themselves feel better do you think you'd be able to spot struggles in other people now oh like a hundred percent and like it I don't know whether it is because I've gone through it myself but I literally feel it off people straight away like I can feel it and even if it's that even if that's through zoom I can feel it it's it's yeah. mad because I know most people will come to me because they think they want to fix the outside bit and usually then after we have a consultation I'm always a bit like mm. so my my <laughs> my husband always likes me and he's like um you're the tear extractor <laughs> I'm like, she's in there she's had people crying again so some when somebody comes into me first of all they'll always talk about well I want to lose weight and I want to do this and I want to do that and I'm going do you you know and I and I ask certain questions and I'm like well how do you feel about yourself what's your relationship with yourself like and they always get caught off guard they're like oh 
do you mean like you know mm-hmm. and that's kind of how and I'm like okay well why don't we look at this a little bit differently why don't we get you feeling a little bit better feeling a bit stronger why don't we think about how you're treating yourself what you're saying to yourself and take it from there and yeah I can definitely like my therapist that I went to six years ago um I loved him so much <laughs> I actually referred to like almost 50 clients to him so yeah so I know so I actually went on to study psychology myself afterwards because I did a full year I toyed around with the idea of actually changing career and because I felt like so many people needed more than just the exercise you know what I mean that they needed to really you know do work on themselves um so I did a year and then I kind of decided no I I missed I missed the exercise stuff too much so I didn't pursue it. but it, it made me become a better personal trainer I think you know because I was able to then not just advise people on my own experiences um I was able to then you know I guess I I could listen a little bit better. Yeah. I could ask different questions. I could empathize more. You yeah. know, I, I I during that year I really learned how to not try to fix people. <laughs> how to just listen to them and don't yeah. be always trying to advise. You know, so it's actually it's 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 really you know helped me become a better personal trainer. But yeah, as you said, I do I do tend to have this kind of radar, and I'm like. Mm, what's really going on there yeah. which is amazing because then I can I can train people from a whole holistic point of view yeah you know? and, um yeah and hopefully not make too many people cry <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant though be looking beyond the surface kind of thing and not just yeah. like a, a lot of gyms out there kind of just trying to see the bottom line trying to see that bit deeper kind of look at the person rather than yeah just the exterior yeah, 100%. yeah so I love to take people like sometimes I spend a whole hour talking to somebody do you know what I mean? Because that's, yeah, making them cry. But that's what they need. You know, they need to figure out, well, what is it that I'm actually doing here? You know, do I really want that goal? Is that really, the, how do I actually feel? What what am I doing to myself? You know, so it's just figuring out all those things and then being able to set realistic goals in and around their lifestyle. Um, and that's how I, I feel like I get better results from people because it's more of a holistic um, standpoint. Definitely. That's, that's brilliant. Um just kind of wondering as we're chatting there you talked a bit about the gym and about everything how have you kind of managed through COVID? It's been interesting so I it's funny because when the lock, first lockdown happened my little girl was only 12 weeks old and I had gone back to work after six weeks because owning your own business these are the type of things you have to do unfortunately um, and I'm very grateful for the lockdowns because now I realize that that's not what I want to be doing because yeah. I've just had a baby. So it's it's funny when you have your own business, it's like you never, you never stop. You never get time away and you always feel, well, maybe it wasn't that it was probably the pressure I put on myself to feel like I needed to be there all the time. And I'm like, I think back, I'm like, she was six weeks old. What was I thinking? But anyway, when she was 12 weeks old, we went into the first lockdown. And I remember thinking to myself, oh my God, if I feel like this, you know, my anxiety was through the roof. I was like, imagine how everyone else must feel. Like, I feel like I'm a type of person that will talk about my anxiety, that I have gone to therapy, that I've no, no problem in ringing my therapist and making another appointment. But I, I imagine that a lot of people were like, this was the first time that they felt this level of anxiety. Um, and so I decided that I was going to do some free classes online. And it kind of started out with a bit of a joke and um, the first day. And then like, hundreds of people started to tune in so so I did live classes every day for free for like a year over a year 
and uh, yeah, I know how crazy. It's like you don't like making money. I know. Like, what is wrong with me? Um, but yeah, and, and like the messages that I was getting from people going, "Oh my god, this has brought so much structure to my day. Thank you so much." And so for me, that kind of drove me to keep going and yeah. keep going. Like at the end of the day, I felt like providing a service for somebody that that was also helping myself because obviously I was doing the classes as well, and that was helping with my anxiety. But then just being a part of the community and knowing that I was giving back made me feel great about myself you know so it was all of that so we did that I did that for like over a year now unfortunately obviously the business was closed for for a very long time and um, but then I I set up like an accountability program online so I started to do all of this nutrition online so my whole business and life has actually changed um thanks to all these lockdowns you know so I now I now actually don't go to the gym anymore. I now kind of base myself more online and I just do personal training and things like that. So yeah, it's been really, it, it's been so interesting for me because never in a million years did I ever think that this is how my career was going to go. And now it yeah. is. And it's especially made me realize that what I was doing before wasn't working for my family. And now mm. I kind of prioritize my own time and my time with the kids a little bit more than what I was before. Because I think that we all just get so stuck in that rush of busyness, you know, and it's so hard to actually come out of it. But now yeah. that I'm out of it, I'm, I'm determined to not go back to that. So hopefully, please God. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell us a bit more about your accountability program? It's interesting to hear kind of people after COVID kind of taken something yeah. like could have been like that could have been an absolute disaster for yourself and your business and kind of yeah kind of making yeah. lemonade out of lemons thing yeah <laughs> I guess what I guess what happened was you know I'm I'm obviously hugely um interested in nutrition as well and as I spoke to you about earlier on you know trying to encourage people to eat eat properly for their health and their energy and give them you know put them in better form you know yourself if you're hungry you want to kill everybody. Right? So I'm trying to encourage people to eat for their mood as well. And so during that very first lockdown, I kind of decided, okay, I need to control the controllable. So I wrote a list of things that make me feel happy and well. So apart from the usual children and my husband and all of that type of thing, it was, you know, other stuff apart from that. So Obviously, exercise is one of them. Getting out in nature was one of them. Doing some breath work was another one. But eating properly was another one. And so I started to kind of keep track of what I was eating and how it was affecting my mood, my sleep and my energy. Because as I said to you earlier on, everybody is really busy. So even though I was in a lockdown, I was still doing that class every day and I still have two small children to look after. So I needed lots of energy. So um, I noticed on the days that I didn't eat properly or I didn't feel myself, my anxiety was a lot worse. So I started to track my mood, my sleep, my energy, my food, how it was affecting me. Um, and I, I, I just developed this whole accountability program for myself. <laughs> and so then I kind of was like, well, if I've, I feel accountable to myself and I'm starting to feel amazing, maybe I could help other people feel this way. So I just put it out there to my clients going, how would you how would you like to kind of get involved with this? And I actually just went from strength to strength. So um, a lot of people, unfortunately, view it as a weight loss program. Some people go in with the goal of weight loss. But after the four weeks, they end with a different goal because I'm on there every day going, <laughs> think about your health. Stop thinking about your weight loss. You know, I want you to have a better relationship with food. I want you to not view food as the enemy. I want you to see that when you eat well, you feel good. And so by the end of the four weeks, most people are like, oh, my God, I now just prioritize my health over 
weight loss. Yeah. I now realize that by eating well, I'm a much nicer person. <laughs> <laughs> I have more energy and I sleep better and everything is better. And so, yeah, it's been going from strength to strength every month and I'm absolutely loving it. So, yeah. That's amazing. I suppose at the end of the day, we're in this body for life. So you have to, you have to look yeah. after it. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think we forget all of that, you know, and again, it probably just goes back to having all these fad diets and, you know, weight loss programs and all of that. And it's just getting away from that. You know, I always say to people, if weight loss is the goal, I can definitely a thousand percent help you with that. Let's switch the mindset to, to health and well-being first and then get to the weight loss. And, you know, I, I, I say to my clients, imagine those pair of jeans that you want, want to get into and imagine it taking it a little bit longer to get into them. But imagine staying in them forever, ever and ever, yeah. never having to worry about it again. And then you just stay there you know, and that's it. Yeah. You developed this amazing relationship with yourself and this amazing relationship with food. So, yeah, yeah get, get into the bottom of why you need to get yeah. there. Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah. yeah. That's brilliant. Um, I suppose, obviously, you went through there, um, like your uh, relationship, exercise, relationship, food and everything like that. As someone that has struggled with mental health in the past, what else do you do to kind of to maintain your um, mental health to a positive level and look after yourself on a day to day basis? Yeah, so really interesting, Michelle, because even though I obviously went to therapy for a very long time, um, because as I said, I love my therapist so much. She used to be like, Kelly, we're not friends. Like, stop booking him with me. <laughs> so, you know, we, we, I, I just, I loved how he made me understand why I was the way that I was, why I was anxious, why I acted in certain ways or why I didn't do things. And, you know, it was a lot to do with my self-limiting beliefs. And I was so interested in all of that. That's why I kept going back. What about this? What about that? And, you know, and I just I, I, I just think that people don't have to go to therapy because something traumatic has happened in their lives. Although something traumatic has happened in everybody's life, <laughs> you know, at the moment, but you can, you can just go to have a better relationship with yourself. You can just go to be a better person. You can just go to understand your emotions. Like for me, that was huge to understand why am I sad? Why am I happy? Why am I angry? Why am I frustrated? Why, you know, and being able to understand that and then get better at it. Um, so during that that first lockdown, when I came off my antidepressants, I was so determined to not be depressed and not be sad that I almost felt like if I was sad at any stage, I was somehow failing. So I decided then that I needed a little bit more help because I was like, OK, you know, it is a normal human emotion to feel sad. I shouldn't be afraid of it. You know, you should be able to feel sad and 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 then get over it. You know, um. So I I reached out to a really um good friend of mine who does this like emotional release therapy, and um. So I started some sessions with her. So basically, we would do some meditation. We would do some visit visualization. She would really question what I was actually feeling in that moment. You know, was I feeling angry? Why I was feeling that way? And we would release the emotion and I found it really beneficial so I did a little bit of that did a good bit of that actually um but I also then um started to do some breath work and I find breath work has been so beneficial to me because you can do it at any time of the day you know you don't have to lie down or do anything you mm. just do it at your desk and I because I, I love science so I loved all the <laughs> scientific research into what 
taking deep breaths just for you. So basically sends a signal to your brain to tell your brain that everything's okay. So we have two um, central nervous systems. So your first one is your fight or flight. So this was our central nervous system for when we were back as cavemen. And if you were going to fight a beast or you were going to run away or what you were going to do. So we have this fight or flight response but unfortunately, the way in which we live our lives these days, a lot of us are in that fight or flight. So we're in that level of stress all of the time and we don't do anything with it. And what happens then is that upsets all of the other systems in our bodies. So the other systems in our bodies don't work as well. So digestion doesn't work. Immune system doesn't work. Our sex hormones don't work um, as well as they should. And um, it can cause lots and lots of different um, diseases and disorders if it's not treated. Um, and also depression and anxiety disorders. So that's our fight or flight central nervous system. Our parasympathetic nervous system is a nervous system that when we are calm and we're relaxed, our bodies can do what it's supposed to do this is the nervous system that we're supposed to be in most of the time that we're not <laughs> so by actually taking deep breaths it's been scientifically proven that your body can go from the fight or flight into the parasympathetic nervous system just by taking deep breaths so I just find that so fascinating because you can do that at any time of the day so for me if I feel a little bit overwhelmed I literally just take a few moments it gives you clarity it makes you not overreact it just calms your calms yourself down so yeah it's it's an amazing tool I also try to do it before I, I know this sounds crazy but before before I eat because if you're in that fight or flight central nervous system when you eat you don't digest your food properly so people have digestion issues IBS all of this type of stuff so I don't do it all the time because with two small kids and a business and everything I'm usually just <laughs> running around and shoving food in here there and everywhere but at dinner time I try to make it my business to be like okay and calm it all down and just eat your dinner and absorb all of these amazing nutrients that you need for your your body and brain to work properly so mm. yeah it's 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 an amazing tool and I definitely think it's something that you know people can use yeah because you previously spoke about basically with all the kind of self-care and everything out there you could almost make a full-time job out of just looking after yourself (laughs) (laughs) I always like I always joke with my clients saying if you were to do all the self-care tasks that social media would believe that you should be doing you never sleep (laughs) should be able to go to sleep definitely doing them all um so Again, I think this goes back to, um, you know, writing down things that make you feel happy and well and kind of sticking to those things. So, again, for me, my number one self-care task is to eat properly because I know when I don't, I feel bad because I don't yeah. have energy to do what I want to do. So for me, that's it's food, um, but also, um, you know, exercise and getting out in nature, but the, but with the breathing and more recently I've started to do meditation and so I wanted to meditate for years because I was like Oprah meditates it has to be good for you I mean come (laughs) on you know if Oprah's doing it we all should be doing it um but I I I couldn't I couldn't do it because I I couldn't I thought that you had to have no thoughts and I'm like oh my god my brain never stops thinking like I'm never going to be able to do this and so I started to just YouTube, how do I do this properly? And actually what it is, is you're just not supposed to have an emotional response to the thought. So you just acknowledge that the thought is there, but then go back to your breath and, you know, get on with the meditation. And for me, it's after the meditation is when I probably feel my best because again, it brings you into that parasympathetic nervous system that we spoke about calming everything down. So after I meditate, I feel better mentally and physically because I'm a little bit more calm so this morning for example I had a really bad night's sleep last night because I was really worried about 
so ridiculous. I changed an email system and I sent an email and didn't go. And, and I was, anyway, I was really worried that clients of mine weren't getting this email for a class that I was doing this morning. And then unfortunately, my mom is really unwell. So last night I didn't sleep properly and I got up at six and I came downstairs and I meditated for like just five minutes. Going, you have a really busy day today. I'm meditating for energy. <laughs> And it just made me feel better because I could have gotten up going, oh, my God, I didn't sleep and I'm so busy today. And, da, 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 da. Yeah. and instead, I meditated, calmed myself down. I was like, you've got this. And, you know, I went to bed yeah. every day. So, yeah. I've tried to get into meditation a few times. And I remember one time, it was back when we were back in the office. And I was saying this in the office and um, Davina, she's our well-being director. And I was just kind of like, oh, when I try to meditate, a million thoughts come in. And I just can't. And she was kind of... She's like, yeah, that's normal. Anybody will have thoughts. It's just how you kind of deal with them. She's been doing yoga for years. She's a yoga instructor. She meditates daily. I'd still get thoughts. I, I was, yeah. In my mind, I was kind of thinking, God, if you're sitting there, you're supposed to be like, your you mind know, should be like, waters, your legs crossed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, why can't I do it? <laughs> yeah, I know, 100%. And you know, I always talk to my clients about this as I go, even if you weren't to meditate, even meditate, even if meditation is not your thing. Again, I love science. So I love the scientific research that's been done on meditation. And basically, it's because you're trying to go back into this parasympathetic nervous system state so that you're at at rest and you're calm and the system your body are doing what they're supposed to do but very often I'd say to my clients you know you know mindfulness is such a big buzzword these days so you know it's it's useless telling somebody that's absolutely stressed out of their mind to just be mindful like how like how annoying is that <laughs> so but for me I would practice mindfulness actually in the shower. So in the nighttime, I have a shower at nighttime before I get into bed. And I just remind myself that I'm about to get into bed and it's time to, I'm not going to do everything that I was going to do that day or didn't get that done. I'm not going to do everything that I'm supposed to be doing tomorrow that I'm supposed to be now trying to relax and get ready for bed and get into bed in a more relaxed state. So I practice mindfulness in the shower, but you could also meditate in the shower. So yeah, it's, 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 it's trying to, it's trying to just calm your mind down before you get into bed. And it's, it's actually works really, really well. But yeah, all my clients laugh at me when I say that mindful in the shower. (laughs) (laughs) Probably the only time of the day. Yeah. That I'm at peace. Well, you know yourself, you're in the shower and you're having all these arguments with people that you're never going to have arguments with. <laughs> I should have said this, like that, you know, and why are you driving yourself insane? You know, just being there going, you know, like, yeah, take good. the moment. <laughs> yeah. Um, I suppose, Kelly, that kind of brings us to the end of today. Um, I think we've kind of ran through everything that we wanted to run through plus more. And I have to say, it was absolutely lovely talking to you today. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thanks so much, Michelle. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. So (laughs) I hope now people get something from that, you know, especially if people are feeling overwhelmed, you know, with the lockdowns and everything else, and they don't know where to start, if they want to, you know, start out on a healthy journey, you know, write it down. I find like that people just, think that they want something but they don't really you know what I mean like I I have done this myself a thousand times ago this is my goal but then I'm over here doing this other thing that has nothing to do with my goal <laughs> and then wonder why I'm not getting there you know so <laughs> write it down and, and be like right what's going to make me feel good about myself what is exactly that I want to do what are the behaviors that I would have to change in order to get there and if that feels too much then it probably is too much you know mm. and strip it back and just take small baby steps every day and you know 
taking things back and taking things slower doesn't give you instant gratification. But if you stick with it and you're consistent, you will suddenly it will suddenly become your way of life. And that's when you'll get the gratification from it. So, yeah. That's amazing. Love a few takeaways at the end. Yes. It's always good for people <laughs> to know what's something yeah. simple to start with, because sometimes everything's too much. Too much, yeah. And, and, and everything is too much anyway, all the time with life, isn't it? So it's just yeah. stripping it back and being clear in, in, in your intentions, I suppose, you know. Yeah, definitely. Kelly, thank you so much for joining us today. It was a pleasure to chat to you. Thank you to Kelly for joining us. The story is inspiring and how she came so far to get something so positive from a dark place. And thank you for listening to another episode of Zero Talks.